0: Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithfulness and your everlasting love. Thank you for demonstrating and proving how much you love us and how valuable every soul is to you. In the name of Jesus, I ask you this morning, God, to anoint the preaching of your word, God, that the hearers, God, be blessed, God, that the congregation be fed and let souls be saved and birthed into your kingdom in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. True love, a fruit of the Spirit. I really, really enjoy that movie. I was telling Miss Norma that Kathy and I have the 25th anniversary edition of the movie and the book. However, William Golden did not write the original book. He wrote the screenplay. And so the book we have is actually by William Golden, and it tells all kinds of stories about how long it took to get the movie going because... uh, in the movie business, when the big shot, uh, the green light guy, he calls him, says, okay, make the movie, he make the movie. But he got fired. So the guy who took his place said, no, 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 he can't make the movie because then it, he gets all the credit and I would be booed, you know, at all the social gatherings. And so somehow finally he gets the movie going. And, and uh, they finally get a hold of Andre the Giant. And Andre the Giant yeah, had one, the learned his lines... <laughs> But he wasn't doing them very well, and so uh, the actor who plays an ego goes up and slaps him. Talk faster! <laughs> I mean, Andre the Giant's, uh, what, seven foot six? He weighs 550 pounds. I don't know how he even reached him. <laughs> but he finally got going, and, and the, uh, the rest is history. The movie's a great movie. <clears throat> it's about true love. The book is really good because it goes into depth and explains a lot of things about. Uh, The whole thing, but true love, the Bible tells us, is a fruit of the Spirit. How many know that you don't have to work real hard to get fruit to grow? You have to water it, you have to fertilize it, you have to keep an eye on it, you have to attend to it, but the fruit naturally grows on the tree. I have a loquat tree in my backyard. It gets flowers now, and uh, pretty soon the flowers will open up. And uh, the bees will come around and we'll have loquats. If you don't know what a loquat is, it's an orange fruit about this big and the seed's about that big, so you don't really get much fruit. <laughs> but they're delicious and sweet if they're ripened and the birds don't get them first. And the funniest thing about them is if they dry up on the <coughs> tree, they're called mummies. <laughs> Go figure. I don't know who fought that up. but The fruit of the spirit. Fruit should be a natural outgrowth of life. It indicates life. So we want to start with Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is not only these things love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and the list goes on. Gentleness and self control. And it says, Against such things there is no law. Can you imagine? We have cancel culture nowadays. Okay, let's cancel love. Some (coughs) individual is trying to cancel Jesus Christ. (laughs) Good luck with that. (laughs) Jesus is a real person. He really did live. He's a historical figure. The controversy is over whether who he says he is and who he really is and what people believe about him. But how can you cancel? Can you imagine? uh, let's, Let's cancel this stuff. This is, uh, this is terrible. Why would people be kind and why would people have joy? Why would we have peace and patience and goodness? Those things are good things. Can you say amen? We should have those things. <clears throat> Remember that song? It's all right now. Guy meets a girl in the street, takes her home and, and he asks her, well, what do you think about love? And she says, love, Lord above, now you're trying to trick me in love. Well, that whole song's not really about love. It's about something totally different. I looked up in the Encyclopedia Britannica online, St. Valentine. He was a real person, and there are different accounts of who he was and what he did. But uh, legend has it that uh, during the reign of the Roman Emperor Claudius II, Gothicus, who got the name Gothicus because he defeated the Goth armies, was the Roman emperor um, who died the same year that Valentine was martyred by his government. Uh, The emperor uh, Claudius Gothicus uh, had issued a decree to persecute Christians because the Romans thought that because they're not appeasing the Roman gods, that's why we're having so much trouble. And so it was an act of treason to actually become a Christian. Uh, He was imprisoned. And uh, legend has it that he wrote a letter to his jailer's daughter, whom he had befriended. And they claim that he had healed her or God used him to heal her of blindness. So he sent her a letter from your Valentine. Valentine's cards, however, did not become popular until about the 1800s because back then there was no printing press. But now there's printing presses and they can make lots of money selling all kinds of items. Another reason that they claim he was martyred is because uh, he was performing weddings secretly against the law and against the wishes of the emperor, because if you got married back then, you didn't have to go to war. And so the, everyone said, <laughs> oh, let's get married. <laughs> I don't have to go to war. Years ago, I saw a two-panel comic strip from around the early 1900s when uh, the uh, tax code was changed uh, in favor of married couples. And uh, there's this young man sitting there uh, across the the room from a a young lady, and uh, uh, he's uh, quoted or he's uh, identified as the avowed bachelor. (laughs) He never wants to get married. And so she pops the question, have you heard that the Internal Revenue Service has changed the tax code in favor of married couples? And the next panel, he's down on his knees. Have I ever told you of my undying love and devotion for you? (laughs) It was a marriage of convenience, I'm sure. Hallelujah. But love, in the Greek uh, language of those days, there were four different words for love. And a uh, very interesting study. I have a copy of uh, um, Greek New Testament scholar Rick Renner's Sparkling Gems from the Greek. Four words in the Greek language to describe love. The first one is eros, where we get uh, the word uh, erotic from. And it is never, ever found in New Testament writings. Ever. Because it's not the kind of love that God is interested in. It's self-seeking and it shares a root word with a Greek word called areo which means to demand. Can you imagine? That's the kind of love that we see portrayed in the media, in movies, and uh, uh, just uh, everybody thinks that's romance and they think that's love. According to uh, Mr. Renner, this type of love is so flesh-based and so far removed from the level of love that God expects of believers that it is never included in New Testament language, ever. That said, the second type of love in the Greek language of those days was stergo. It's a love between parents and children or members of a family it's rarely used in the new testament without a negative connotation in second timothy chapter 3 verse 3 it says in the last days among other things are the signs of the time that people would be without natural affection and that's the negative meaning of the word sturgle. paul warns of the deterioration of the family and traditional family values and the last days. And we see that happening today. Can you say amen? The third Greek word for love is phileo, which means affection. And it's the idea of two or more people who feel compatible, well-matched, well-suited, and complementary to each other. That doesn't mean they go around all day saying, oh, you look nice. Why, thank you very much. (laughs) You look nice too. They complement each other. There's a a term called synergy where two people working together get more done than one person working by themselves. So this phileo is the idea of two or more people. It should describe a church. Can you say amen? Feel compatible, well-matched, well-suited, and complementary to each other. Out of the word phileo, we get several other words in Greek, That are compound words such as Philadelphia, which is brotherly love, Philodonos, which is lovers of pleasure, Philosinos, which is the love of foreigners, or in other words, someone who loves to be hospitable. We need more people like that in the church today, can you say amen? There's another word similar to Philosinos, it's Philosenia, and it's love. For the person in need of the hospitality. That's a good one. We need a lot of that. Can you say amen? I heard an old bluegrass song uh, many, many years ago, and the singers are singing, In our church house, Sunday morning, came a man unwelcome there. <laughs> oh, that never happens in church. <laughs> well, what would happen? I mean, if some homeless people came in, what would we do? We're supposed to welcome them in. Can you say amen? Philos, love for the person in need of hospitality. Then there's the word, uh, well, anyway, the end of the song, the, 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 the uh, person who came in, he cries out to God and he prays, God, steer me on the righteous pathway. Help me in thee to abide. Hold me close to your bosom, Lord. Help me walk by your side. Hallelujah. Good prayer. Can you say amen? Philanthropia is one who loves or is kind to mankind. We get the word philanthropy from that. Then there's another funny word, philaguros. The word agora is silver. And this is uh, the word that describes the love of money. How many more? know that money is the root of all evil? The The love of money is the root of all evil. It's someone who's covetousness or loves money. Money's just a tool. Can you say amen? You know that? It's just a tool. It's a means of uh, commerce. It's a means of exchange. But it's good to have money. I remember when I was growing up and I was uh, getting to the age of uh, majority, uh, ma- not maturity, majority. <laughs> I was not very mature back then. <laughs> and I remember my dad, he was an accountant, sat me down. He said, you know, You need money, because I was into the idea of, you know, well, we'll just live off the land, but there was not much uh, to live off the land in New York City. Everything's (laughs) concrete, you know. (laughs) Didn't really have enough uh, flower pots to grow all the food I needed. (laughs) So my dad wisely told me, you need money. So I got a job and then the last word compound word in greek that uses phileo as its uh, root is philosophia or love of wisdom where we get the word philosophy from praise god but the fourth and most important greek new testament word for love is agape and it's the love of god a man named frederick martin lehman who lived from 1868 and just passed away in 1953, which really wasn't that long ago, wrote a song, The Love of God, which Mercy Me performed. And the opening lines of the word, the song, The Love of God, The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. The love of God is greater far than pen or tongue can ever tell. <coughs> it's, it's a Paul writes, and he's into the, uh, I believe it's to the <coughs> Ephesians, and he says, uh, You know, I'm praying for you guys that you would know the love of God which passes understanding. How can you do that? How can you know something that you can't understand? I believe what he's telling us is, I want you to experience the love of God. So when you experience and you get a taste, the psalmist says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And you get a taste. You want more. It's like chocolate. I like chocolate. You get a taste. You want more. When we get a taste of the love of God. He's the friend forever and ever and ever. He'll never leave us, he says. You get a taste and you want more. And you have that experience. Then you can share it with people. Hallelujah. The love of God. Um, so Mr. Renner goes on to explain that agape is kind of difficult to uh, translate into English. But he says that we'll experience or agape occurs when an individual sees, recognizes, and understands the value of an object or person. It will cause the viewer to behold that object or person in great esteem, awe, admiration, wonder, and sincere appreciation. I'll read that again. That's a good definition. Agape occurs when an individual sees, recognizes, and understands the value of an object. Many people in this world, take India for example. They have uh, uh, the caste system, and the lowest group of people is called the untouchables. But those precious souls are valuable to God. They're valuable to the kingdom of heaven. Before I got saved, I've relayed this before that I wondered. I remember that scripture, the wages of sin is death. And I wondered, why didn't God just kill me? Because I knew I was a sinner. Why didn't God just kill me? And it took several years of seeking God. To finally understand that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, and that God proves He loves me this way—proof, Christ died for me and you when we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That's how we know God loves us. Kathy and I were at a restaurant a few months ago, and and uh, I asked the waitress, "Hey, you know God loves you?" I said, "Oh, yeah." "So how do you know God loves you?" Oh. Because you died for your sins. And she got kind of freaked out. <laughs> like <laughs> one a person I told that to is, I'm not a sinner. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> how about we put it, phrase it this way. How do we know God loves you? Because Jesus gave his life for you. Okay, well, that eliminates the embarrassment of trying to figure out, well, am I a sinner or not? So, really don't have to <laughs> think too much about that. But many people don't think of themselves that way. And so, you know, you have to use different fishing lures to fish for different types of fish. So it probably would be a good idea not to say, well, Jesus died for your sins, when you don't know that person very well and you don't know if God's dealing with them about sin or not. Just tell them Christ died for you, rose again from the dead, so that you could spend eternity with him. Because we're all going to die someday. Can you say amen? It's, it's guaranteed. That's guaranteed. Well, we're all going to die someday. If not, we're going to go be with Jesus some way or another and spend eternity somewhere or another. But listen, because the observer sees the value in that person, it moves the observer, it compels the observer to love the object so strongly that it's irresistible. People that really comprehend the love of God, it's irresistible that there's a God, there's a being that loves you, that wants to have a relationship with you and I, no matter what, and paid the ultimate price so that that relationship could be secure and continuous No matter what happens in life, whether you uh, mess up or not, whether we uh, continue on, whether uh, we stay uh, walking on the straight and narrow, or we fall off. If we fall off, he's there to pick us back up, get us back on. Can you say amen? Isn't that a great thing? The observer (coughs) views the object or person in great esteem, awe, admiration, wonder, and sincere appreciation. I found this very unusual item on the internet. Appreciation is defined as the recognition and enjoyment of the good qualities of someone or something. I remember telling an older fellow one time, hey, God loves you. ah, God can't love me. I don't even love myself. (laughs) Here's a man who was so grouchy and bitter that he didn't even like himself. He didn't like the way he behaved, and apparently he didn't find any good qualities in himself. He was a good carpenter. He taught me a lot, but he was grouchy. <laughs> First day on the job, he yelled at me. <laughs> Everybody knew him. That—that's what he did. That's probably why the foreman gave me to work with, him. <laughs> see if I could handle it, because the next day. He, the foreman comes over and asks the old guy, well, what do you think? Has he got any brains? That's <laughs> well, I guess I, I made it this far. <laughs> Praise God. But here's a funny thing that I found that somebody somewhere has kept a record of how often the word appreciation is used. And it began somewhere in the 1800s and uh, the graph shows the usage going up In the 1930s and the 1940s, and then after the 1940s, it starts going back down. (laughs) It's like, I wonder why people began to not appreciate things after World War II. Isn't that interesting? Just a thought. But it also means to have gratitude. In the financial world, it means to increase in value. The Bible tells us that. Paul says, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, no good thing dwells. But our faith becomes active by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. God has put his spirit in us. And his spirit is producing fruit in us. That's a good thing. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We will go on to the next. Here is God's expression of agape love. God so loved the world, not the planet Earth, but the people, of course, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the next verse says, for God sent his son to the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Hallelujah. In Romans, it says, God, who did not spare his own son, did not spare his own son. The free gift is not like the offense. Where is he? God did not spare his own son, but gave him for us. He will also freely give us all things with him. Thank God that we don't have to pay for our own salvation. Thank God we don't have to pay for our own sins. Glory to God. God is good. So this tells us that God did something for us. God stood in awe of mankind, even though man was lost in sin. Isn't that an interesting thought? That God looked at you and I and stood in awe and said, Wow, what is man that thou art mindful of him? The scripture says, You've made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with the crown of creation. Think about this. You and I, as born-again believers, are members of a royal family. We are nobility. Hallelujah. In the real sense of the word, can you say amen? We are nobility. Carry yourself around as a humble noble. (laughs) A humble noble cobalt. How about that? (laughs) It's self-sacrificial, this type of love. It doesn't look for what you can get in return, but it's a giving type of love. The next scripture is in first John chapter three, six verse sixteen. I like these three sixteens. Does anybody know what Malachi three sixteen says? It says whenever you and I talk about the things of God, there's books open in heaven and it's written down. Hey, God says, take a note, they're talking about us, they're talking about me, they're talking about my kingdom. Isn't that glorious every time you and I talk about something about the things of God, God is having it written down in the record books or to God by this we know we know love because he laid down his life for us we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren and the sistren praise God first John chapter 419 Pastor Wayne mentioned it this morning we love him or in the ESV they eliminate him and just says we love because he first loved us. Some translations put that word him, meaning God, of course. We love God because he first loved us. We love other people because he first loved us. God loves the unlovely. In our eyes, people may be unlovely, but in God's eyes, there's something of value in each and every soul. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, and this is the one verse that nailed it home for me, that that solidified, how could I know that God loves me? God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then John, a couple of verses later, my little children, who knows who the little children are? It's you and I. What did Jesus say? Unless you become converted and become as a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Does that mean Jesus? Oh, no cares in the world. Mom and dad's going to take care of me. Uh, I don't have to worry about anything. Just do my homework, go to school, and be nice to my friends at school. Be converted. Have your mindset that you have a God who is your father now that you can trust totally and completely. I've always enjoyed that image in my mind of God being a dad, holding the baby, and the baby's on the dad's shoulders, sound asleep, comfortable, secure. There's quite a few videos on the internet you can look up of soldiers coming home and the kids running to greet their dads. It's just heartwarming. I love to watch those. Brings tears to my eyes. precious kids dad they come running my dad uh, we would go out on long island my dad had bought a little bungalow from my great-grandfather and we'd spend the summers out there because it's cooler out there than the city my dad would come home friday evening and we'd see his car coming down the street dad it's over we all run out all ten of us or how many there was back then there's 13 all together <laughs> i remember running out to greet dad, dad home and we'd get in the station wagon after dinner and we'd go get ice cream. And of course, the little kids, they couldn't eat their ice creams fast enough so dad would help them. Hi, <laughs> oh, that's my ice cream. <laughs> we love at the, get the picture. Dad's coming home or dad's here and we run out. That's the picture I believe that God has when he looks at us. Ah, little children. Gathers us up in his arms. Hallelujah. Let us love, not in word or in tongue, just say, oh, yeah, I love you. Well, love is action word. Do something. Show that you love people, that you love God, that you love others. When we sing this uh, in the morning as part of the, the uh, service, we're worshiping God. We're telling him we love him. The scripture says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout with the voice of triumph and victory. I was reading in Isaiah the other day that there's going to be shouts of joy. You see the people on TV, they're watching the football game and, and they score. Oh, the crowd goes wild. There's going to be more wild than that in heaven. Praise God. And it should be wild like that in church. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go on. I don't remember. Oh, <coughs> nope. Unfortunately, I forgot to send this uh, <coughs> verse to uh, Pastor Wayne <laughs> uh, for the uh, slides. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. There might be. The next one. Let's see. First Corinthians. Oh, well. First technology is sometimes beyond me. All right. First Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 14. Verse one. Are you there? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love. That phrase means it's a hunting phrase. Pursue love. Follow after. Keep on following. The basis for all relationships, regardless of setbacks or disappointments, if agape is the driving motivation of your life, you will be the best, most devoted, faithful, and reliable friend anyone has ever known. How many... I don't know about you, but I know and look back in the past. and To follow after literally means to hunt. Something we should do with our lives, try and make our minds up. I'm going to pursue love. I'm going to try to love people the way God loves me. Romans chapter five, verse five the poured out the love of God has been if it's not in your experience seek after it because God promises right there that it already has been poured out shed forth in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us Matthew chapter five this is one of the hard sayings of the Bible Matthew chapter five verse 44 love your enemies the Iranians have a saying the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But they forget to tell everybody only temporarily. <laughs> the enemy of you should be the person you're praying for. It tells us, Jesus said to love your enemies. That's why Napoleon Bonaparte said that Jesus Christ is the only leader that he's ever studied who is the most unique. No one else is like Jesus. Can you say Amen. In Luke chapter 6, verse 28, Jesus says to pray for those who mistreat you. Once you get out of the workforce, so you kind of really only have your family and friends around. But when you're in the workforce, <coughs> there are people who uh, you would politely describe as not nice, <laughs> to say politely. And so what do you do with them? Figure out how to get revenge? That's what the part of the Princess Bride movie was. It's about revenge. (laughs) Let God do the revenging. Pray for those that mistreat you. Ask God, God, how can I make this person my friend? What can I do to win this person over? Hallelujah. Maybe it's someone in your family. Who knows? I don't know. You know, though. Pray, God, show me earnestly desire chapter 12 verse 31 earnestly desire the greatest gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way love chapter 13 love I counted out everything as 15 things Uh, I got a few of them that I'll expound about love suffers long or is patient and kind to be kind is to show oneself useful not an interesting translation to act benevolently according to strong's dictionary according to dake's dictionary or commentary to be kind is love in action next it says it does not envy it's not covetousness the world is motivated a lot by envy. Can you say amen? I don't know. I don't follow a lot of stuff on the Internet, but there's all kinds of strange people on the Internet who are influencing. You might, that's their occupation. I'm an influencer. <laughs> what? Why don't you try influencing people in the right direction? Because God's been taken out of school. There's not too much right direction coming out of there. Does not envy. Love does not parade itself. This is uh, a person who can work unseen, behind the scenes. Doesn't have to have applause. Doesn't have to have recognition. They can do what they know they need to do without having to worry about getting the rewards that they should be getting or that society or people think they should have. This is someone who's humble. Humble. Love is not puffed up. It's not arrogant. Jesus did not tell us to go into the world and offend as many people as you possibly can. Did he? No. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you, even unto the end of the age. I've met people that claim to be Christians who are... uh, mainly interested in offending as many people as they can. <clears throat> That's not what we're called to do, can you say amen? amen. Does not behave rudely. Rudeness seems to be a, a virtue in today's society. We should not be rudely. We're courteous. We should always be polite. Even when someone calls you on the telephone that, and you get this uh, <clears throat> phone call from someone you don't want to talk to or your wife or your husband we should always be polite always be courteous my wife just raised her eyebrows at me <laughs> <laughs> we should always if we fail well get up and keep going and try again hallelujah does not seek its own is not easily provoked in some translations thinks no evil or takes no record of wrongs, doesn't seek revenge. Hallelujah. Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things. How many have had experiences with people you've been working with and trying to get them to live for God and they fail and and it and it bothers you so much, but you go on, and you believe God for them God's working in different people's lives in different ways we're not cookie cutter Christians we don't all do the same can you imagine if everyone was like Paul the Apostle there'd probably be a war in the church (laughs) if everyone was the same it was like it wouldn't each one of us that's why Paul says the body of Christ is like a human body it has got toes and ears and eyes and uh, each one has a different function Praise God. Pray and ask God, "What's your function?" Believes all things, bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Right now, there's terrible persecution going on in the parts of the world against Christians in other countries. But at the same time, there's revival. I love the fact that the communists kicked all the foreign missionaries out of China. And the church grew and multiplied exponentially. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The native church took over. And there's millions and hundreds of millions of Chinese Christians. Right now, there's terrible persecution going on in India. But the church is growing. In other nations around the world, there's persecution But the church is growing because Jesus said of the increase of his government, his kingdom and peace. There shall be no end. Thank God that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace. We have peace with God. We can have peace with one another. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What a wonderful God that we can be forgiven and changed. Hallelujah. And continually changed. And it's not a, a one time deal because who knows? We know, I know, <laughs> God's not done with me yet. Hallelujah, He's still working on me. I love that song by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. God's still working. He's still working. Even though it doesn't seem, we don't often see how, God's still working even unto now. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Let's close in prayer. Maybe this morning, you don't have that kind of love in you or it's difficult for you to see that in yourself, be assured that the Holy Spirit is working in you and I, and the Holy Spirit will bring that fruit around. Pray, seek after it, hunt it, like the Bible said. Hunt after that love of God, because God has put it in there already and has already shed his love abroad in our hearts. That's something that we need to pray and ask God. Show me, God. You ask God to show you, He'll show you. And you say amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, let's close in prayer this morning. Uh, Bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Maybe you're listening online. Maybe you're here this morning. Uh, God loves you and sees such great value in each and every one of us. So great value that He sent His only Son to take our place and take the... (coughs) punishment we deserve for all of our failures and shortcomings and he was such a great success that he rose again from the dead Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever the living God, the only true God Hallelujah God, and he loves us with an everlasting and faithful love he'll never leave us nor forsake us even if we turn away from him he's still there So this morning, uh, maybe uh, you're backslidden this morning or maybe you've never been saved. Uh, If you're watching online or if you're here in the building, God loves you, man, woman, or child. It doesn't matter, young or old. God is always ready to receive and draw you unto himself. So praise God. If anyone this morning, you need Jesus. I believe everyone in here is saved already born again. But if you're watching online, if you need Jesus, it's just a simple thing. Ask God to show you and ask Jesus to come in and be the Lord of your life. And he'll change you and he'll continually change you. And eventually you will be in eternity with a God that loves you. Everlasting love. In the meantime God wants to put his heart wants to pour out continually his love in our hearts so let's pray